The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of the Expanse, Season 4, where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this TV show. Joining me today on the panel are Steve Nelson. Hi, Steve. Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, Occupied Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) And Father Michael Gossett. Hi, Father Michael. How's it going, Dom? Very good. Thanks. So uh, before we get started, I do want to remind folks, if you can, we really appreciate it. If you could take a moment and go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from and write a review of the show, that that always helps uh, other people find the show and uh, kind of boosts up our numbers. We haven't had a reviews in a long time on this particular podcast, Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. So if you could write a review, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, and also share the podcast with your friends. Uh, help us grow this community of listeners and enjoying all these great TV shows and movies and talking about them. We'd really love to have you, you know, share this with your friends. So uh, it's been a while, guys. We we've uh, we got together two years ago to discuss the Expanse seasons one through three. At the time, it was on the uh, Sci-Fi Channel, and as far as we knew, that's where it was going. And then it it got canceled and moved to over to Amazon after a huge fan reaction, which was you know somewhat gratifying to see, although that seems to be happening more and more, fans saving shows and getting them over to streaming services and whatnot. But uh, one of the things I wanted to ask is, what do, you, do you feel like anything has changed about the show and its move from sci-fi to Amazon? It seems like it kept the feel a lot of, of how it has been going. I think obviously they swear probably a lot more than they <laughs> yeah. did on the sci-fi channel. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, to me, it really, it, it still has the spirit like of, of the first three seasons. Yeah. And I'm not sure how I like uh, these shows where they dump all of the episodes at once. Right. Uh, I don't know. I always sort of like the anticipation of waiting for the next, you know, the week, next week show. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people that will sit down and binge watch an entire season you know, in a day. Right. Um, so I guess there's just different audiences. But I kind of miss the anticipation. It's like people who eat all their Halloween candy the on Halloween night. And then the one kid like my daughter who will sock it away and still be eating Halloween candy the next summer. <laughs> <laughs> she likes to savor her wow. food. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I like the. CBS All Access puts out each episode of, you know, know, Star Trek Picard or Discovery or Disney Plus, The Mandalorian once a week. It makes it an event. It it builds it up. And I can see the appeal of that. Uh, I mean, I enjoy it that way for my family. It's it becomes like The Mandalorian became a let's get together on Friday and watch the new episode together, you know, which was like in the old days. Right. (laughs) Before we had the binge drops. Yeah, that's how I grew up with. You know, before even VCRs, you had to catch it when it was live or you missed it. And you yep. could never watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I remember that when I was a kid. The whole family sat around on Thursday night NBC watching the Cosby show or, you know, mm. or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it was it, appointment TV. I mean, it's nice that you can when it streams, when it drops as a stream, you can watch it at your own pace. So there's that, you know, and 
but yeah, you're right. I, 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 there is that difference. It feels different. It feels more like one long show as opposed to discrete episodes. Um, even in, in more recent times, just that having the space to discuss it in between. Yeah. Shows like Lost, it, I, I would think about you'd watch it and think through it for a week and then come back to it again. And there is something great about that. Yeah. And you could be rest assured that if you want to talk about it with your friends, they haven't seen the next episode yet. You know, <laughs> right now with this stuff, you like, you got to be careful. How much have you seen? Where have you got to yet? You know, can we talk about it? And then you're like, oh, well, we can't talk about it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, ah, oh, I got to wait for you to catch up. Yeah, so, yeah, there is that difference. Uh, the, uh, one, one of the things I wanted to talk about is sort of in a general sense, before we get into the season itself, how do you feel about the actor who plays James Holden, Stephen Strait? Um, I when I read the books because I, I read so the most of the books before the series came out Holden was much older in the books in my in my vision of him and the way he was written at least to me it seemed like Stephen Strait the actor seems a bit young to play him with the gravitas they want him to have as a character do, do you agree with that or, or or do you think he's he, he he does just fine what do you think I think him being younger, at least, especially in the early seasons, he was such a idealist. He's like, I'll just tell the truth and that'll fix everything. <laughs> and maybe having a younger guy kind of plays to that, that he's yeah. sort of inexperienced uh, in the world. And uh, but and I also I guess I like the the dynamic between him and Miller, where Miller is a little older than he is. And that's, that's yeah. sort of a, a nice thing, especially in this season as it as it ended but uh i could see having that different picture from before seeing the tv show right right uh, in the first three seasons i, I found myself uh, i can't remember some specific instances but it seems that he was his reaction was a little bit more reserved than i would have thought mm-hmm. you know, given the emotion and of the of the moment and i was like oh really that's that's the way you're gonna play that <laughs> yeah right you know, you know, one of the things I really like about the character is that he's a strong moral code and he, he doesn't waver like he's, he's not easily pushed off of that that strong sense of morality that he has. And I, and I feel like he's sort of the 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 North Pole of this. That's one of the things I love about the Expanse series is he has this North Pole sense of direction of his morality uh, where in others see that and they want to follow him because of that. I like that idea that we have a story with that kind of character. You don't get a lot of those these days. Um, you get a lot of anti-heroes and guys who are kind of, you know, they're, they're self-interested or that sort of thing. That's what I always thought about the character Amos is that he had a code, but you never quite knew what it was. And it was, <laughs> he was going to react in his own way, but it wasn't predictable. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, we wouldn't exactly call it a Christian morality. But he he certainly had a sense of things he would do and things he wouldn't do and people that he would protect and people he wouldn't, you know, he would attack or whatever, um, which is uh, I've seen like in other series, like in Firefly, like um, like Mal was sort of like that in Firefly, where he had a very strong code that may not have lined up with Christian morality, per se, but, you know, it, it, it may be not as. Um, unpredictable as Amos is, but certainly uh, mm-hmm. there. That's interesting. Yeah. A- Amos certainly has a code. Holden has a code and it's interesting the differences between them. Um, 
let's get into the to the talking about the uh, the season. I'll, I'm going to give you a, a quick rundown, a little synopsis of the season. So the gates have opened. The rings are opened. There's a land rush to all these new planets that they've discovered. Uh, over a thousand, as I recall, twelve hundred, I think. And it b- brings Belter prospectors, Earth-based corporations. They come into a conflict on this planet called Eilis because the Earth, Earth Corporation has been given mining rights there. Uh, the Belters are refugees uh, from the war uh, in the, the moon of Ganymede. Uh, so the UN president, Christian Avasarala, one of my favorite characters, fr- frankly, I think she's <laughs> fantastic, mm-hmm. both in the books and in the show, uh, sends Holden and the Rosinante crew to me- mediate a solution. But the conflict ends up taking second fiddle to the mystery of the alien technology on the planet and the ghost of Detective Miller, which, again, another great character. Meanwhile, Christian's fighting for political survival as U.N. president and a new crisis with Mars begins to ramp up. And the Belters, who've been trying to get more respect as an equal power, are dealing with rogue factions within themselves that have been going pirate and seem to have an unexpected source of firepower uh, propping them up. Meanwhile, former Mars Marine Bobby, again, another great character, is trying to deal with her infamy on Mars uh, for having helped Earth. Um, as she's she's now retired and uh, she now has this blue collar job dismantling ships, uh, but she gets roped into a black market ring that seems to be connected to something bigger than just selling demobilized war material. So that, I think that's about summarizes the season there, or at least the, how the season begins. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. There's a there's a bunch of different threads going through here. There's a, there's a Bobby thread, a Christian thread a Holden thread and a uh, Belter thread so or a plot line. Let's talk about Bobby first. So Bobby is working on Mars. Uh, she's got her family there. And uh, what I find interesting is that Mars is the more technologically advanced country. Uh, let's just call it our nation uh, state uh, that, that uh, over Earth. Uh, Earth is bigger, more populous, but Mars has better technology, which I think is an interesting switch you don't often see that in science fiction it's usually earth still maintains its position um probably because of the terraforming so she's uh her nephew gets involved in a criminal enterprise he gets swept up in these in these uh drug dealers i guess they are and being this gang that's being led by this crooked cop and she has to agree to work with them to steal military equipment so that her her brother gets out of it so uh, Let's talk a little bit about this cop, the detective Martin. At first, he's really just, he's just a dirty cop, and you don't like him, right? I mean, is that is that a general agreement? Yeah, totally. Now, did did your estimation of that change? Did your did your feelings toward him, your attitude toward him, change over the season at all? Did he become more sympathetic to you? There's a key moment that he that they really humanize him. I think. I think that yeah, when when he meets when Bobby meets his family, that's pretty shakes things up quite a bit that she, she assumed he didn't have a family. Uh, right. It was utterly surprised. But I think as they work together, like there's a, a respect grows between them. Um, and that for whatever reason, uh, helps you to, I don't know, feel a little more sympathetic towards that whole crew. And even I think the speech that he gives about, uh, just that like Mars is dying because of all those new planets. Right. Uh, They'll never finish terraforming Mars now. They're going to lose that spark of work that they had going that, that probably made them the, the more advanced nation. But uh, I think just that like he sees 
the way things are going and wants to have a way out for his family. And that really, uh, that gives a lot of uh, character to what was, like you said, just, just a dirty cop, like a right. drug dealer is what you kind of thought he was. Yeah. He wasn't just some flat, you know, corrupt cop figure. They really fleshed him out some. And and you, you may you actually bring up a really good point about like the the motivation with Mars is so Mars they've been you know generations and it would take generations more to terraform it make it Earth like so you could walk around on the surface without spacesuits and the discovery of a thousand Earth like planets just cut the 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 legs out from under that like why why bother doing this anymore it, it's very interesting yeah you have to wonder what what their future motivation is going to be it's and it's such a difficult place to live even though it is closer to earth yep but at the same time you know why work so hard and, and endanger so many people if you've got plenty of expansion room right right uh, so it's it's there's a there's a very interesting thread throughout the season so uh and and there are certain certain questions get raised who's buying all this stuff that they're stealing they're they're, they're stealing it and selling it uh, we 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 find out eventually that some of it's going to those uh, Belter pirates, I think. But uh, and and why are renegade Belters working with the Martians when they they hate the you know the inners they call them? So it's kind of interesting. Uh, well, in any case, the, the by the end of the season, there's not a lot of time spent with Bobby. I mean, there is some action moments and some really some good mo- you know, stuff there, but not a lot of development with her. Uh, except by the end of the season, the gang, somebody ambushes her, the gang she's working with and kills them all. Uh, and Bobby survives and she agrees to work with Christian Avasarala at the end of the season, which is the w- one thing she wouldn't do at the beginning of the season, because Christian is the one who put her in this difficult position of having betrayed her people. So kind of interesting there. Yeah. I, I still couldn't, couldn't get over missing her Marine uh, armor. That she, <laughs> I mean, that was yeah. such a part of her character. I, I miss her having that now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I hope she gets it back. Cause uh, Bobby as a Marine. Uh, yeah. I just, I just love that, that Marine recon. Uh, some of those action scenes are just really cool. Uh, they were, they were really good in season three, especially. I I ended up enjoying her story, but I think I kind of missed her being with the other characters. Yeah. Like she, especially at the beginning, maybe just because it was a little slower and it was sort of filling out what was going on. But uh, I really enjoyed it by the end. But I, I look forward to her in the next season being with, with Christian and hopefully even, you know, some of the other Rasanate people. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby's another one who has a, like that strong moral center. It's like she has a code that she mm. won't betray. Uh, a sense of honor and uh, and I uh, again I appreciate that that's one of the things I really like about the character now let's let's move to talking about the the, the next major character Christian Avasrala we were just talking about so she's now moved from behind she used to be the power behind the throne you know behind running things behind the, with the UN president but now she is U, UN president and uh, they're dealing with this big problem of the, this exodus everyone wants to go and settle on these 1200 worlds that are now discovered uh, and you got refugees trying to get out there uh, through uh, running through the gates. And um, meanwhile, the development rights to these worlds are being sold to corporations. And uh, the the season begins with a, a belter, sh- a bunch of belter ships trying to get through the gates and some of them getting uh, pretty heavily damaged and I think destroyed even. Um, but one gets through and gets to this planet Eyeless. And like I said, 
they have to she sends the Rosinante to find out, you know, what, you know, to, to negotiate a settlement, but also I think she sends them to find any potential protomolecule exposure problems because they still don't know what's out there. Um but she's cautious about expansion. There are people within her administration are really pro expansion, but she's cautious. Now, do you remember why that was? Was it because of Holden's warning from the end of season three? Do you remember that? Yeah, that that is a good because she was really dead set on that in this season. Yeah, maybe just I I, I kind of chalked it up to seeing like how bad things went with uh, Eros and the protomotic molecule coming to destroy Earth and yeah. Yeah, it, I think she just she's just really shocked by the power of this alien thing. Right. Because it because uh, the reason I asked that question was at the end of season 3 we we saw that Holden has this vision uh on the uh the ring space uh station mm-hmm. of basically what he saw was so whoever the makers of the protomolecule are as powerful as they are some even more powerful being or beings destroyed them. And so he's afraid that if they if they poke around too much out in the galaxy, whatever that was is going to notice them and do the same to them. So there's a mm-hmm. I think that I think that's Holden's fear. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I don't think that's so much uh, Christian's fear uh, yet uh, at this point. Um, so basically, she's her her uh, plot thread is her political uh, troubles. Uh, she's got to run for reelection. Uh, she has a former ca- this cabinet secretary who's pro expansion who resigns Nancy Gao, and she runs against uh, uh, Christian, and Christian is trying to um, win at whatever cost because she 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 is a bit of an uh, amoral character. <laughs> she mm. she doesn't have a strong moral compass in that sense, uh, but she starts playing dirty tricks. Uh, she wants to reveal some embarrassing nepotism info about her opponent uh she used uh connections to get ahead and that was that revealed something very interesting about the earth of the future do you guys remember that uh that everyone in the future has on earth has a universal basic income you hear people talk about that today uh but it's only just barely enough to kind of live on you, you, you it's it's very basic um if you want to get anywhere to rise above that you, there's fierce competition for limited educational and vocational slots and it turns out her opponent jumped to the head of the line because of who she knew. Uh, what did you think of that? The, the 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 way the Earth is sort of organized in that future, um, and what that says about <laughs> where we stand today. The, 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 because there are people who th- who think that's what we should be doing is universal basic income. Everyone gets you know a, a, an amount of money from the government. Yeah, in a future where resources are essentially unlimited due to technology you know why would we have to work is what some people say what do you think of that is does that does that undermine some basic truth about what it means to be human to to not have to work what do you think you know i'm leading you here (laughs) star trek kind of had the same idea you know there was no money in the future right um and it always just didn't ring true to me. Maybe just because I'm a person of my own era, you know. Yeah. I find it hard to, to for to see how human society can get from where we are now to get to that. And the same thing happens here. I was like, I just don't see. I don't know. I'd have to see what that arc of how you, you get there to right. be able to understand it and accept it. And we don't see too many examples of people in the show 
that are just on that basic income. I think there's just that the one episode I remember is where when Bobby is on Earth and she sneaks out and kind of wanders through the right. poorer parts of the city. You see, like, oh, this is really rough. But the people we, the Earth people we spend time with are the most powerful people in the world. And, right. and so we don't always get, yeah, you, we, we hear about, uh, you know, it's hard to get a job. You have to wait. You might be like one in a thousand to, to be able to do something like this. But we don't get too many views of that. And um, I think it's just interesting that, that they keep bringing up that it's not like a perfect solution. It's not this utopian, like Star Trek sort of right. future. But it's, uh, but we we don't get a ton of, of views. It's just, but it's uh, also you brought up that it's kind of the same on Mars in this season, and sort of even the belt. Just that like everybody's options are really limited, unless you kind of find yourself in the right position. It, it in a way it, it historically harkens back to the the days of just before the great expansion from Europe and the colonization outward. You know the the late. 15th century, the early 16th century, the the age of exploration and colonization, you know, options were limited in in many in many cases for a lot of people. Even though, but yet the Renaissance was giving us a new idea of what we could be, and so in a way, it was almost inevitable that Europe would be the where the colonization would explode from. You know, it didn't explode from Africa, it didn't explode from Asia. It came from Europe because of that. That the flowering, the intellectual flowering, the the social and cultural flowering, and yet the the options, the economic options for one, but other options were societal options were limited, and so people naturally looked at the horizon at these utopian lands, and that that was the where where prosperity was, where options were, where you know. So I thought it was a very interesting. Uh, uh, analogy to that uh, here where people are their options are limited they live in what could be considered uh, a flowering of humanity but yet their options generally are limited and now there's this new thing that shows them what could what they could have uh, so I, I really i thought that was an I interesting uh, aspect of it yeah, holden makes a comment in the last episode about uh humanity becoming a galaxy spanning civilization right you know, which uh, which caught I forget who he was talking to, but it caught him by surprise. Yes. Um, and yeah. And that and that's one of the things he worries about is is if we become this galaxy spanning civilization, what will what will, will the same thing happen to us that happened to the proto molecule engineers? Uh, that would. Yeah, that's that's I, I thought that was very interesting. One of the things that that comes up next is. Christian's dirty tricks uh, uh, here with the, her opponent sort of backfires on her because at this they have this debate, this political debate, and the opponent sort of embraces the nepotism and she says, "Yeah, I did this because the system is broken." You know, the, the that you everyone everyone is dissatisfied with the system, and we all try to do what we can to get ahead, and so you know we've got to break the system and. And the going out and expanding and, and colonizing these worlds is the way we can do that. I thought that was a very clever way of the writers sort of undermining our our viewpoint character at this point. You know, Christian, our hero, in a sense, undermining her her position 
but in a way that we know like that's not a that's probably not going to work out well for 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 them you know like this expansion thing is it's dangerous but uh i thought it was really interesting how she kind of turned it on its head they they didn't take the easy road in the writing of that is what i mean uh, i think so uh really kind of interesting there were several instances in that debate where um christian sort of got painted into a corner and having yeah. to truthfully respond in a way that made her look uh either uh, overzealous or tyrannical or something. Yeah, it, it's it was fascinating to see her being like she's supposed to be this great political operator, but she's not doing so well right now. You know, as the one in the chair. You know that that's very interesting. I like the the change that because she, <clears throat> like you said, she was the the power behind the throne and could exercise that sort of as you said, like overzealously, ruthlessly, and she did, and she. She kind of like did what she thought she needed to 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 get things done. Um, but once she's in that place where she has to play politics in a in a whole new level, and I like that they make her opponent like she's not evil. She yeah. she has good reasons for thinking the things she does, and uh, has it seems like good intentions for thinking the total opposite thing that uh, Christian does. Yeah, it's what's the old saying? Uh, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. Like now that she's got to be the one, you know, uh, in charge, it's not quite the same. Like you can't you, you, you can't do the same sorts of dirty tricks and and, you know, underhanded dealing that you did when you were the person, you know, in the shadows. And uh, yeah, you're right. And her and her opponent. Yeah, is, is she seems to have clean hands. She's not she's not, uh, you know, necessarily a, you know, a, a bad person. Uh, so the. The debate ends early, though. The debate is interrupted because there's a, uh, a security threat is an incoming ship headed for a collision, I think, with the asteroid defense platform around Earth. So, like, they have a, they, they figured out how to blast asteroids that are coming at the planet. Um, Ava Sarala, she orders it shot down, but it turns out that it supposedly had civilians and children on board. It was this ship that was believed to have been taken by Belter pirates. It was a UN ship. Um, and then they'd been told it had been destroyed and now it suddenly shows up again and they have to shoot it before it crashes into the thing. And turns out, and it's, it's a bit of a scandal, another scandal for Christian. I mean, the, the Belter ships at the rings now this, and then another one where she, she has a uh, UN Marines board another Belter ship where she's looking for this Belter pirate. We'll be talking about in a minute. Uh, turns out he's not there, but the ship was rigged to explode and there were civilians on it and she's blamed again. And so she she's getting painted into this corner by all of by she does the thing that seems like the hard decision for the for the person in charge to do. But every time it seems like it's the wrong decision uh, and she's really painted into a corner. Is is she doing the right thing? Did she have other choices? You know, what could she have done differently? What, what do you guys think of? of of her her role here as the UN president in the in this position, I I I, I recognize earlier that that we'd spent a long time since most of us have watched the season uh, came out a while ago. It took us a while to schedule this, but uh, so, but if you if you recall, do you have uh, any sense of what you think? Did she did she have a did she get outmaneuvered by a better political opponent, uh, whoever this shadowy figure is running things is? What do you think? I feel like she. Uh... She's been in such a mode of not just being the president, but like saving the galaxy um, has kind of been her role throughout yeah. the show that she's 
she definitely i mean she wants to do what's right is for earth and and protect the earth but um she we've seen again and again that she's willing to work with her enemies she's worked she's even willing to compromise sometimes to for the greater good and she does that again and again and i think when she has to sort of like own up to that um it doesn't look that great all the time and yeah and so uh and i think just the like we talked about the enthusiasm for this possibility of we could go make something get out of being stuck in in the same spot on earth um that's tough to beat i think and and her her opponent is very much that sort of model i remember thinking in that moment when she was trying to decide whether or not to shoot down or destroy that ship um that we had the benefit of more knowledge than she did about what was going on. Yeah. And so in the moment, did she make a logical decision? And I kind of think she did in that particular instance. Because uh, I, I was reminded of uh, 9-11 and how the mm-hmm. military was given authority to shoot down rogue airliners. Yep. And they didn't have to, thank God. But what would have happened if they'd gotten into that position? And then who would have been blamed and that kind of thing? Mm. Uh, so that that was kind of what went through my mind when I watched that particular thing. But, you know, we had the benefit of seeing a bigger picture and, you know, that she did. That's that's the the unenviable position of a president, you know, that they're the one that is that has to make the, the tough decisions based sometimes on a gut feeling on the best information at the moment. And everyone will second guess them afterward and will critique every bad aspect of it because there's always something bad aspect of of every decision uh so i wanted to mention that i really appreciated the character of her husband yes and in those instances where they were alone and they and she was kind of using him as a bellwether kind of thing and he would let her have it you know he would very honest with her in a and I just really appreciated those moments because it gave you the chance to see kind of what was going on in her head without her having to actually say it. Does right. That make sense? Yes. He was a lot her conscience in, in right, many right. aspects. He was the he was the the that good part of her <laughs> that she mm-hmm. she hides deep. Um, I re- yeah, I really liked the, the, his character because he gives her, her an outlet. She's a such a strong personality that he could stand up to her without being like her. Uh, I'm thinking of like House of Cards, where it was the opposite, where uh, Frank and Claire were so much alike and that they were that made it bad for both of them. <laughs> they kind of fed each other. Uh, if, if you remember House of Cards. But whereas in this, he he was her better angel. You know, he he kept pulling her back from the 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 dark edge uh, you know, of of what she was capable of, I think. Uh, so very interesting to see that. Um, that that role that he played, I really did like that character. You, I agree. And I think, especially seeing his uh, his disappointment sometimes that mm-hmm. he he that sometimes even she sort of was was just projecting a false front to him, uh, and when he realizes that, seeing like that he really expected more of her. Right, right. It was a it was a bigger. Uh, I don't say betrayal, but yeah, a a, a bigger a, uh, act on her part to. To, to deceive him or put put a false front up for him. Well, in the end, uh, the season as the season ends, we find out she loses the election, which is a big deal. Um, we'll see what effects that has in future seasons, uh, de- especially depending on how closely they adhere to the books and 
what we saw at the very end of the season, which again, we'll be talking about in a little bit, uh, what what's coming uh, literally <laughs> for uh, for the future of Earth. Uh, but let's let's talk about our you know our main viewpoint characters here. I want to talk about the Rosinante and uh, in I want to say William Holden. That's a completely different guy. That's <laughs> great great actor, but not uh, James Holden is who I want to say. Um, so there the we have this planet Eyeless. We have the Belter refugees who have settled on it first. They kind of got there ahead of the the Earth Corporation, and so this Earth corporate shuttle is landing on Eyeless, and it's it crashes and. At first, we're not sure what, and then it becomes clear it was it was shot down. It was sabotaged, uh, and so when the Rosinanti arrives, there's open hostility between the survivors of that shuttle crash and the Belters, uh, and so there's this very, this very strong um, hostility. Now, I want to mention the character of Murtry. Um, he's played by the great British actor Bern Gorman, who. If you've ever seen the um, Revolutionary War TV show Turn, who plays the, a British officer in that, I mean, he's just really great. I mean, he's always plays a, a bad guy. He's he's kind of stereotyped as you know, type typecast as a bad guy, but he's really great. And uh, but I have to point. I, have, I want to tell a little anecdote. Uh, I have a little personal stake in this. When I was reading the books, I thought this character should be played by Clancy Brown who oh. a, a great sci-fi actor has been in everything. Um, he was in Highlander, you know, he's great, great character actor. Um, and I even got into a conversation with the, the show's Twitter thread, a Twitter account. It's when, when I said Clancy Brown needs to be cast as this, when you get to this in season four, like I did this like in season two or three or whatever that was. And they're like, Hey, are you his, his agent? I'm like, no, but I'll take 5%. You know what I mean? It just, it was, <laughs> it was uh, I was like, this guy, this character is so crazy. But, but I have to say, Mer, uh, Bern Gorman does a good job. So I, 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 I feel, I feel uh, that, uh, it's okay. Sorry, Clancy Brown, but, uh, Bern Gorman does a good job. He was great. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things I really like about this was Naomi arriving on a planet for the first time as a belter. She's only lived in space. And because for generations they've lived, they, their bodies are not built to take full earth gravity. Uh, so it's very difficult for them on earth. I guess Eilis has lower than earth gravity, but it's still more gravity than she's used to. And it has a physiological effect on the character, which plays a role through the season. But I love this moment when she walks out of the Rossi for the first time under an open sky and just imagine what would that be like to have mm -hmm. like you've always lived with a roof and suddenly there's nothing between you and space. <laughs> I, I just thought that was pretty awesome. It was a good scene. I really like almost a panic attack sort of experience. Just yes. So big. Yeah. And she gets the vertigo and falls to her hands and knees for a moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, really, uh, really awesome. I really I, I enjoyed that. Um, so they're in the, uh, the, this village, they get attacked by this swarm of bugs that cuts everybody up. Like this big swarm comes in, it interrupts their big argument. And, uh, it turns out they're, they're technological. So it was interesting. Um, Murtry, the corporate security guy is he, he's looking for the, the people who killed his people. You know, he wants to bring justice on them. Um, he's very aggressive, very violent. He kills one of the belters he thinks was responsible. Meanwhile, um, the ghost of Detective Miller shows up again. Um, and what I thought was interesting this season how, is how we suddenly see that 
Ghost Miller is not merely Miller, but it's sort of two things. It's split between his original personality and the one being controlled by the protomolecule, and they're fighting. I thought that was an interesting development. Uh, I don't remember that from the books, Father. Did you remember that? Yeah, I think that it's really clear in the books that it's not Miller, and that's just it just kind of projects itself as Miller. But I thought this was an interesting way to sort of twist it, especially as we got to the end of the story and saw him. We didn't see him for a very long time and yeah. kind of try to understand why. Right, right. So so in th- at this point, the, the Miller guides hold into this alien structure where he's like something is blocking the planetaries, the planet systems, and it's a root has grown through a panel. And, you know, I hate when that happens. Uh, <laughs> and to, my computer won't start up. There's a root in it. But uh, he cuts the root the the panel reactivates and suddenly the whole planet activates and very dangerous stuff happens There's lightning uh, storms that strikes the whole planet. There's this massive burrowing thing that's that they have to shoot with a torpedo to stop it from hitting the village. You know, this and eventually this island on the other side of the planet explodes like this massive super explosion, which causes a planet wide tsunami that's going to hit the settlement and there's there's all kinds of stuff in going on in this, but I'm going through it quickly. And it causes the planet's defenses to shut down the orbiting ship's fusion reactors. That you know, the protomolecule creators have the ability to control physics in the in mm-hmm. a local area, so they they shut down the reactors, which is bad for the ships in orbit. <laughs> They're falling out of the uh, out of orbit. But uh, Holden gets everyone to take shelter in the alien structure against the tidal wave. You have these two sides that are now jammed in together fighting over resources and then as if that isn't enough something on the planet is causing a microorganisms to grow in everyone's eyes causing them to go blind except holden i love the title of this episode it was called uh, the uh, the one-eyed man yeah because it's from that phrase in the land of the the kingdom of the blind the one-eyed man is king mm-hmm. holden is the only one who can see and he's literally trying to save everyone hold them all together you know i mean because the, the, because Oh, I forgot to mention, in addition to being blind, there are these poisonous slugs that if you touch them, they kill you (laughs) that are everywhere. So and he's and it's literally he's this character is literally running back and forth doing what he's done the entire series, which is trying to save everyone from themselves (laughs) because he can see what they can't. I I just think that's a a fascinating literalization of this figurative role throughout the series. Mm -hmm. What what did you think of this part of the of this season? And and we find out by the way why he's uh, immune to this. But uh, we'll get to that in a sec. But uh, what did you think about his role in, uh, so far in this season? This to me was was holding at like there's so many other par- parts of the show where like why are you doing this? Why are you acting so impulsively? But I feel like he's really he's really a leader in this one. He mm-hmm. he wants to take care of his people, but also stop. Uh, stop violence and bloodshed he wants wants everybody to be treated fairly i probably liked him the most in this season uh out of out of the entire show i think just because he he's kind of on his a game uh right he's he's found his uh place in the the galaxy as like kind of like this fixer or or negotiator whatever just like yeah with these alien weird (laughs) situations and help people cope with it he's a real savior figure Yeah, but I, I couldn't help quite uh, absolve him of the fact that he kind of created this 
with Miller, you know, reactivating whatever that stuff on the planet. I never right. did get a sense of what it was supposed to do or why it was there. Does that get explained later? And I don't think but, it ever really gets explained. I think even Miller didn't quite understand. I think I think Miller was my understanding is that Miller was acting under the con- impulse under the control of the the alien technology that's just wants to act, reactivate itself. Re re you know start doing what it's what it has always done and it's prevented from. So it's just trying to repair itself and I think that's why he gets Holden to do this. You I think you're right. Holden follows the, the instructions of Miller because that's what he's always done, but there's no good reason to do it. Like he's he's like, well, I got to do it because Miller told me. Well, that's actually not necessarily a good reason here. But but mm-hmm. and I think he learns there that that that's not a good reason. The uh, the the graphics of the of the tsunami though were pretty cool. Watching it, oh yeah, assume the planet and you know as it is it approaching the uh, the the uh, the settlement know, there, the, the artifact that they're oh, yeah. in and all yep. that. Um, that was pretty cool. I I really enjoyed watching that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and getting that uh, the door shut, the uh, the the barrier closed, like literally just in time. I mean, that was, of course, that always is on TV shows. You know, it's always the very last second that they that they close the door, or save the the ship. You know, that sort of yeah, thing. To, to me, that was pure sci-fi. Yes, you know, get in at the last second. Oh, inside there are things that are going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now shut the door. You've closed yourself in with mm-hmm. unknown alien. Uh, That's right. Yeah, that's pure yeah. sci-fi. <laughs> that is pure sci Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now you're shut in here with the bad thing. Uh, that was something that came, that was actually both of things. The blindness and the the uh, bugs was actually in the books, uh, which I thought was interesting. But it wasn't a tsunami, if I recall. But it was a storm. It was like a really bad storm. It's, I think that's what it was. Uh, it's a long time since I read the book, but uh, but it's a similar thing. And uh, I do like the fact that 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 Holden is this savior figure. He's right. He's the man who can see who sees the evil around the, them and runs around saving everyone from themselves. And there's some who can't be saved because they they just lose it. There's like a few people kind of go crazy uh, and, and, you know, just kill and, and kill themselves, essentially uh, suicide by alien bug. But uh, but eventually and he in himself is the source of the, well, their salvation. Cause it turns out the reason he's immune to the, to the microorganism in the, in the eyes is when he went on Eros with Miller back in season one, he was irradiated to, to have cancer. And he's been on these anti-cancer meds ever since. And the anti-cancer meds have made him immune. And that's the secret to healing everybody else, which is so out of his own body. I, I feel like it's a very Christ, metaphor here yeah. the, the the strong christ metaphor in in holden so i i thought that was interesting it was a good storyline for the whole season with them yeah yes so meanwhile in orbit <laughs> the, these ships are falling out of the sky you have the rosinanti you have um oh they have some great names for these ships the is the israel was the corporate ship and which is interesting and there's um what was the other one? The, the Barb. Uh, it's a Barb long Pizzacola. name. Barb yeah. Pizza Cola. I think it's, I don't yeah. know. It's not, it's not like something I order at an Italian restaurant. It was, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have an order of Barb Pizza Cola. Uh, <laughs> so that's the belter ship. And so they're all falling from orbit, but the Rosinante, of course, is in better shape. It's in a higher orbit um, and they've got better thrusters or something like that. Some technological reason. So they come up with this plan. Naomi, Alex, and this belter woman named uh, Lucia 
which is great because that's my daughter's name. Uh, mm-hmm. They devise a plan to save the Belter ship from falling out of orbit by tethering it with a with a cable and dragging it to a higher orbit, which I thought was fascinating. A little, a nice bit of uh, of orbital mechanics, probably not completely accurate, but you know, I, I like that the 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 expanse is the most scientifically accurate sci-fi show out there. I think like a space sci-fi show. I really feel like that they they really try to be as close to um speculative science as they can like a, 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 this is a logical how maybe science could develop in a few hundred years and they, they extrapolated it out a bit i really feel like they do that really well with this series so um so they're gonna pull it to higher orbit but mercury that mercury again mm-hmm. tries to sabotage them he shoots a weaponized shuttle from his ship at the at them to stop them uh that doesn't work out for them uh and they they are able to save the ship um and uh meanwhile and then this is a a, a big the big resolution for, for this thread here is that uh miller now freed from the influence the ghost of miller freed from the influence of the protomolecule leads holden deep into the planet i love this whole part where they're like the planet is apparently just a giant construct the giant alien machine and he leads him like through this portal into this deep into the planet um He's taken to a piece of unexploded ordnance fired by the species that killed the protomolecules creators. And it's this weird sort of hole in space. It's Sauron. It's Eye of Sauron, right. <laughs> that, that Miller and anything from the protomolecule people can't see, but Holden can. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fascinating. Um, and what he wants to do is activate it to neutralize the protomolecule technology on the planet and save everyone. So shut everything down, essentially, which I think is fascinating. Meanwhile, Mertry and his second command, they're following. Amos is following them. And Amos, we talked about Amos's moral code earlier. Amos has been in a relationship with this woman, Mertry's second in command. And when she confronts him, he ends up killing her. Uh, because she she now poses a threat to him and or the people that he has tied himself to, which is Naomi and Holden. It was originally Naomi. Now Holden gets to because he's Holden is with Naomi. So <laughs> Holden's the captain. So uh, Amos is now uh, protects him. And I it and he almost does it without a second thought. It's very like we were talking about this earlier. Amos's moral code is very interesting. He 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 turns on a dime in a sense. You know. So I thought that was interesting. I think we brought it up the last time we talked about this two years ago, but it's like once you're in his family, you're in his family mm-hmm. um, and he'll do anything for them, like horrible things for them. Right. But, but yeah, once once you're in that little group um, and he, he was he he told uh, I can't remember her name, the second Cl- man. Uh, yeah. But uh, he um, said, I'll, I'll never lie to you. And then yes. he said, if you if you try to hurt Holden, you have to go through or I will go through you. and. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He never lies. Uh, uh, Chandra. Chandra uh, mm-hmm. was her name. Yeah. He never lies. That's it, it, very interesting. He always tells the truth. <laughs> um, so. Miller ends up sacrificing himself to shut down the planet's defenses. I think that means he's gone. Maybe. Don't know. Um, <laughs> but that allows the fusion reactors in the spaceships to start up again. And everybody kind of settles things out. Mertry and Lucia are supposed both supposed to be taken back to stand trial for their crimes. But Holden lets Lucia go 
by pretending she died in the midst of all this. Like, oh, I'll just tell everyone that you died. Uh, which I thought was interesting that because it turns out she was one of the conspirators who shot down that shuttle. She she committed the crime, but Holden lets her go. His moral code says, no, you go. Uh, but Murtry not. And so I thought that was an interesting bit of uh, decision, moral decision making there on his part. I think her whole I, I like the reveal of her story that she was part of that group. They were going to blow up the landing site but when she realized the ship was coming early she wanted to stop and then blew up tried to do it anyway and ended up destroying the the ship i just thought that was right a, yeah it was a nice reveal that yeah she she was sort of a terrorist and uh was violently trying to protect their their claim but uh there were there was definitely some uh some tension in there that that wasn't revealed at first that was good yeah. Didn't we we saw that scene though, right? Where she tried to disarm the uh yes. explosion. We did yeah, we did see that and, and it's a it's kind of a it's a little bit of a cop out that they kind of uh pull her back, you know, where it's like, well, she wanted to blow up the landing pad, but she didn't want to hurt anybody, but she ended up hurting anybody somebody, so she's not really all that responsible. Uh, in a way I kind of wanted her to be like, No, no, I, I meant to to I, I knew people could get hurt and but I did it anyway. Um and but you know but I wish I hadn't or something like that. It would have been a, uh, I think it would have been a more interesting character moment there that, that, that they would have had, but it, it, I mean, it's, it's fine. I like the family dynamics, her husband, her daughter, her daughter who wanted to leave to go back to go to university uh, in the solar system and that sort of thing. And, and how having to let go. Uh, so very interesting uh, little character moments there. So then that brings us to the final thread throughout this season, which was the, uh, the Belter and Drummer and Ashford, the two Belter uh, main characters in this thread. Drummer is the governor, the commander of the Behemoth, which is this uh, former Mormon generation ship that now is a station in the ring space. And the Belters, they're now, they now have a seat at the table with Mars and Earth because they control ring space. They control access to the new worlds essentially it's it's as it's as if you know some tiny nation set up a an island in the middle of the atlantic ocean and said to europe uh by the way if you want to go to the to the, to the new world you have to get through us <laughs> to get there so it's interesting and uh dr and so drummer commands is in command of behemoth ashford is uh opa peacekeeper tracking down renegades he's trying to keep the peace by stopping the, the they used to be terrorists all of the OPA but now some of them are respectable and some of them still are terrorists interesting analogs to, to current day events I really liked Ashford I really liked his character uh, very interesting character little he was he was very gray it's a little oh, good man. little bad uh, very good right I, and like you said the the change in his role uh, at as you got to the end of that that season four was interesting to me. Yeah. Before he was sort of the terrorist and now he's the peacekeeper. And it it was interesting to see that change. Right. To me. Uh, especially how it he ends up. <laughs> yeah. And you see analogs to that sort of thing in our own world, you know, where where places where people have fought violent revolution are now in control or at least are now respectable, they suddenly have to stop being the, the criminal and be the cop. And sometimes against their own people, like whether it's Afghanistan or Lebanon or, you know, in South America, various countries. You know, it's an interesting 
aspect of that 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 part kind of revolution that revolutionary action so i think he and drummer were my my favorite part of this season just that the the weird situation they had to deal with of kind of appeasing both earth and mars and but also their fellow belter people and uh ashford's like such a like kind of a cool like it's almost like a pirate character yeah. and particularly particularly the very end of the the season where they board that ship and you you don't see him in action like that too much this season You're like oh yeah this is this is what he did like he he's right. kind of this pirate guy and uh but he he really comes across as just like a thoughtful leader and really cares about his people and yeah he kind of came into his own in a good way i uh i really enjoyed his his arc uh one of the important uh figures in this in this plot line was the the character marco inaros uh he's an opa pirate he's a former lover of naomi who's holden's uh girlfriend uh and he's the father we find out he's the father of her son and and uh, she has a strong uh, negative feelings about his about inaros naomi does has strong negative feelings because she felt like he was dragging her into really bad stuff they went from fighting for their people to to doing really really evil things and that that's when she left um they capture inaros at one point oh i thought that was fascinating and the belters they're, they're gonna space him they're gonna throw him out an airlock but he appeals to them to to acquit him of his crime of capturing that un colony ship and massacring its passengers um and they 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 decide to let him go after he makes certain promises and it's drummer who votes to acquit and Ashford who voted to space him is, is set on his heels. And, and drummer says, I, I, if we, if we voted to, to throw him out of, you know, out of the, the, the airlock, it would have divided the OPA and the belters. So it was more important to stay united than to divide. That ends up being a bad decision. I think. Do, do you agree? Does that, that, that clearly. I, I think so. Just that he, he spoke some true things like the, Earth and Mars did turn on them. They they broke right. the truce and that they were sort of asserting control. Um and they have they have been oppressing the belt, but uh I think just the I don't know, the politicking that they that she has to do in that moment of yeah, we need to stay strong or I mean like you saw the results of it, just that like that right. that's that's what happens. And and I think eventually that Ashford respects her choice in the end. Uh, even if he didn't in the moment shows really the kind of the honesty of their relationship. Yeah. They, that of, of all, I mean, Holden is pretty honest with his people, but I got to say the honesty in their, in their situation between Ashford and drummer and they're very real to, to each other. They, they don't, there's not a lot of uh, deception that goes on. Um, And I think this comes back to haunt drummer because she eventually will resign her position after she finds out that the leader of the OPA, Fred Johnson, cooperated with Earth against um, against Anaros, uh, you know, he revealed Anaros's location later on, which ends up getting a lot of Belters killed. And she's like, you know, that's just too far. You can't turn against your own people, and and that again violates her code, her moral code. And she she steps down uh, uh, based on that, which is you know, it, it's an admirable moral position for her to take. Um, in, in fact, um, when she resigns, 
that propels Ashford to say, I'm going to hunt down Anaros. This, he's a problem. He's 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 dividing the Belters. He's he's bad for us. He thinks he's good for us, but he's bad for us. And so, like you said, there's that scene where he finds him, he boards the ship. Ashford gets the drop on him. But then Naomi's son, Philip, shows up and ambushes him. And Ashford ends up getting spaced by them, uh, which is I thought I, I was really sad about. It. I really like the character. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm gl- in one sense, I'm glad the producers are willing to sacrifice good characters to propel the story forward. You know that they're they're not quite Game of Thrones sacrificing characters, yeah. but we occasionally sacrifice a good character uh, to propel the story forward. And uh, I really I, I liked Ashford's arc, especially that humanizing at the end that. What was he remembering as a was this his grandson or granddaughter? I think it, it was. Seemed like it, yes. Uh, singing kind of like a belter sort of song to them. Yeah, a lullaby uh, mm-hmm. that he was singing. Yeah, um, yeah. Really, uh, I really liked Ashford. Um, and then the season ends with this reveal of what Anaris's plan was all along: is launching these asteroids that are cloaked with Martian stealth technology that they'd been stealing with the help of Bobby and the others, launching these asteroids at earth that's that was their plan so what's so what's going to happen next season well father you and i know uh probably based on the books but uh we, you know who knows if they decide to go in another direction with the uh with the with the tv show but that's quite a place to leave <laughs> the season and uh, they named the final episodes uh cibola burn which is the name of the book that the season is based on and i had to look it up but cibola is is a spanish name i might be saying it might be Kibola. I don't know if, if, if I've got it right. I would have said Cibola. Cibola, probably. Yes, okay. I'm thinking like an Anglo. But uh, Cibola, so Cibola is a Spanish transliteration of a native name for a pueblo, the the you know the ruin, the Native American ruins out in the, the southwest. Uh, it was also one of the seven cities of gold that uh, Coronado was looking for uh, when he found the um, the pueblos. So it's interesting. I'm I'm kind of curious what you think they they were intending by that title, the Cibola, you know, that Kibola burns, uh, something. So a city of gold is going to is burning of, of some sort. Uh, huh. I yeah, I honestly didn't didn't know what that meant when I read the book. They always <laughs> have very very interesting kind of like word games with all their titles with some sort of mythological word yes. being there. But yeah, I guess. You could look at it sort of in reference to like the frontier of Illus and uh, yeah, and kind it, of just the it burns. Of, yeah, they, <laughs> they go through horrible things and um, to try to yeah build that place. But then yeah, heading towards the future, what's coming towards Earth is, I think one of the darkest moments in any of these these books is this next one. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Depending on what happens in the in the series, but if you know they've they're sending these cloaked asteroids at Earth, that's a bad thing. Um, so, yeah, it, it, does Earth burn? Is it Eilis burning? Is it Mars that is going to burn? You know, I mean, there's 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 a there's some question there. So I just think it's interesting that uh, that it, it it gives you pause to to think about. So, any final thoughts on this season, guys? What do you your overall assessment of? Of this, did it live up to the to the promise of you know saving it from cancellation? It, was this was it the, uh, better than the other seasons? What do you think? I didn't see much of a degradation at all. I mean, uh, it, I, I thought it was just fine the way they did it, the way they continued it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it certainly fits with the first three seasons. And now I'm excited to know there's going to be a fifth season. So I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> yes. Same here. I'm going to have to go read the book now. <laughs> you got to go read the book. Yeah. The books are so good. This How about you, Father? My, this was yeah. my least favorite book. Um, this, because I, I, I guess I like them in the Rossinanti doing space stuff. I guess I enjoy yes. that more. And I kind of was, uh, I was like, oh, I don't want to read about these slugs anymore. Um, that felt like way bigger part of the story in the book, but, uh, I felt like it had a slow start, but it built and built and built. And I was, I watched a bunch of it today because there's not that much going on right now, but, uh, <laughs> um, uh, was really, really into it. And I think especially one thing that struck me is that the, the whole protomolecule situation gets resolved in the second to last episode. Oh yeah. And then the last episode is kind of like all sort of set up towards what's coming next. And I thought that was a really interesting way of ending mm-hmm. the season. Not, it wasn't a cliffhanger in the same way that some of the other ones were. You know, it's funny you mentioned the book cause I was not a huge fan of this particular book either, probably for the same reasons. And partly because I felt like all this stuff having to do with Marcos and Aros was kind of confusing. Yeah. What was actually going on there? Whereas seeing it on screen and and being condensed because they had to condense it all to fit into to a, a season, I think made it a lot more understandable. Um, I suppose if I went back and reread the book, it would be more understandable given what I know now. But uh, but at the but I, I really I I almost preferred the 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 TV season over the over the book in this case too. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the quality of the show. The quality of the special effects is top notch. I think that the, the production values are off the chart, uh, and uh, and I really I I really enjoyed it. I, I agree. I prefer the Rosinante in space doing spacey things. That's, but uh, well, uh, I'm curious to see where things go from here. Um, there again, based on the books, there are big things coming, and there's there's several seasons worth of interesting content ahead. Um, and I'm really curious. I'm curious about. Again, more of the casting. I'm curious mm-hmm. what some of these roles are going to be played by. <laughs> so, uh, all right. I think that was, uh, I think that, that, that about does it for us. We should probably wrap things up there. Uh, we'll be back for talk about season five. It won't be two years. Huh. We'll <laughs> hopefully, depends on how long it takes uh, before they can start making TV shows again uh, after all this that we're dealing with. Right. But uh, uh, that's, that's a whole nother topic. But uh, before we go, I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of movies and TV shows including this time Susan S., Jonathan L., Teresa S., Father Paul, and Sydney O. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What do you think of The Expanse Season 4? Did you like it? Did you read the books? And how did it compare? Uh, let us know by commenting on the show post by posting at sqpn.com slash secrets or the StarQuest Facebook page, uh, or you can send us an email to secrets at sqpn.com. Until next time, Father Michael Gossett, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of The Expanse Season 4. It was great to talk about it. Thank you. And Steve Nelson, thank you as well. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on StarQuest. <laughs>